0: Wake up, Freedoms on the Rise. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Freedoms Rising. Today is June 7th, 2022. This is episode 9 of Freedoms Rising. And a little bit on where you can follow Freedoms Rising. We haven't discussed much. The specific socials. Uh, freedomsrising.live is the place to go. I'm also, I've launched a Telegram channel for Freedoms Rising to start housing the announcements of the episodes each day. And there's a Discord. I also have, and the Discord is not that built out either. Probably more built out is the tylerbloyer.com Discord. And then Float is something I'd like to support with that project. It does have a Facebook page because of my legacy days of running a lot of different Facebook pages. sort of habit to sort of launch a page on on that platform, but I hardly use it. I don't have much of a following on that platform or any of the others really. And uh, Tyler Bloyer has different, you know, myself has different social medias than Freedom's Rising. So they're sort of split. And uh, more than likely, if you enjoyed the content created here, then connect with tylerbloyer.com and sign up for the email newsletter there and check out our live stream at freedomsrising.live where there's a 24-7 live stream featuring content from this podcast. So one of the ideas with launching the 24-7 live stream is just to have Freedoms Rising constantly streaming out there, right? We always are broadcasting freedoms rising and there's a lot of solution-oriented content in there and we're making it unstoppable with the tech or you know at least we're giving a good effort into doing that and learning the new tools so that even if there were a problem with the tech that we and we're talking more in regards of you know government overreach and tyranny and censorship so these things may not ever come to fruition we may not have a problem with those things but the idea was to create a unstoppable force something that can't be stopped you know and that has a lot of mental power that goes along with it besides just having uh, you know this techno technological platform developed and you know playing with all these new fancy tools and you know trying to build out this online existence for freedom's rising but really as we've been discussing freedom's rising happens in the mind freedom's rising is an attitudinal uh state of being, a way of being in the world that has to do mainly with the way that you understand the situation. So someone can be a W-2 worker and kind of be enslaved to that position and not have anywhere else to go, at least that's how they perceive it, and not be able to make decisions for themselves. They feel like maybe their employer is going to have some rule over them, right? Well, someone who understands freedom in their life and has a, a lot of mental will and willpower towards manifesting consciously, manifesting more freedom in the life of themselves and the lives of others, would not consider that position in the same way. They would look at it more as a contract. Maybe it's their only one contract that they're currently agreeing to, but they can be terminated at any point, and that at that point they could go and move on to another contract and change is good and they would embrace that and move into new things in their life and there might be a struggle and they're willing to put up with that struggle and really that's kind of how i operate i I definitely like redundancy i definitely like to have backup systems in place but at the same time i also have a large trust and faith in myself that i will have the diligence at the time when needed to operate and deploy my skill set in other ways if needed or learn new things. That's the big one, right? Learning new things along the way, learning new skills and being able to implement them. And once you learn how to learn and learn how to implement and have the diligence to keep going, then you have a lot more confidence in your ability to thrive and survive, even if things go really sour, or if something sudden happens in your life, and you can adapt and overcome to that situation. So really, float is what I'd like to promote as people moving off of these mainstream platforms and getting onto another social media that they like, m- might uh, enjoy and be able to use still. And something that we've discussed uh, since their 1.0 transition has had hiccups, but I do trust that the team over there will do what we were just talking about and adapt and overcome and get over these hurdles of building a new social media platform, which, like I said, is not something I've done. So um, I w- I am great with technical support and, Perhaps one day, you know, our paths could align, me and the float team, and I can be working on the tickets to help resolve these issues, right? But I think uh, currently things are going to stay the way that they are, they are. and I had to overcome a lot of issues this morning and with this show. I do it early in the morning before I really kind of get to the rest of my day, Then that way I've sort of achieved one of my big life goals is to be the truth, speak the truth, live the truth, broadcast the truth. And uh, I know that might even offend a lot of people right there. The truth, you're saying you have the truth. And it's not—it's definitely not my truth. But yes, yeah, certain understandings that I've come across that imp- I've implemented in my own life and then can help other people to achieve to have more truth, freedom, and prosperity in their minds and in the lives of that they live and their neighbors and their community. And so we'll get into that today. Uh, I think people along with that, have a large misunderstanding of where rights come from. And, you know, if you were to ask the average person, where do rights come from? And they would typically not know how to define a right and also would not understand the originality or the origin of those rights. And they may declare that there's some sort of paper or a law or a country that provides the rights and by not understanding where our rights come from we don't understand how to protect and how to maintain and properly explain our rights to others so if you can't even define a right then that would be you know the first stumbling block and I think in our society, we are being led to think, and when I say our society, mainly the the Western world or um, in an, the United States of America is the region that I'm in, people would, again, point back to the Constitution or the government is what gives you your rights, and it's great that our government has given us these rights or our military men uh, give us our rights or protect our rights. And none of this is the case. Your rights come from the creator of the universe. The rights come from the creative force that is behind our reality. That's where rights come from. It's not something, and people would say that God is where your rights come from, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I would define it probably differently than the average person as far as what uh, God is, or at least I've thought about it to an extent more than maybe some people have, and I don't, Picture it as this sort of anthropomorphized Christian deity up in the sky, this like guy or you know this entity that's up there like designing things and thinking, "Who? Well, maybe we'll have a little rites over here, and we'll put a little some trees in over here." Like that's not the creative force that I'm talking about—the will of the universe and the creative essence inside of this place that we call reality. Is where our rights come from. And people, again, will call that God. And these rights are what you're able to do, what your actions are in the world, your actions that don't harm others, something that doesn't take away the rights of someone else or violate the rights in a violation. And violation and violence, you know, these are deriving from the same etym- etymological history, being that. It's violence, you know, something that uses force to harm somebody else is a wrongdoing, right? It's not a right to do that. Why? Because you don't own that other person. You can't legitimately claim ownership that you have the ability to do with that person's property, their body, that which you don't have the right to do because it's not correct. It's uh, rights and correctness are the same thing. And so attempting to align our morality with this And understanding that, again, going back to representative government and the uh, Democratic Republic, this is assuming that you can create laws that aren't in alignment with natural law and call them legitimate, right, in man-made law, and then believe in that enough to where if someone else is violating this pretend law that was made up and is not reflecting reality, because if it's uh, uh under natural law it doesn't need to be written down into the artificial it doesn't need to become artifice and men and women you know not just men humans, and when we shorten it to men, that's what we mean humans we're not talking about masculine or men uh like as in like man or you know people with that are not women <laughs> we're talking about human, so it's just shortened to man or men right that's it's not some, like, white male privilege dominant, do, dominance thing to say man. Uh, when man uh, understands his rights properly, then it doesn't need to necessarily be written down. And that's where we start to get into the artificial. That's where we create an artificial entity. And we have limited liability and things like this, right? Which maybe necessarily isn't such a horrible thing. Uh, you de- that's a, That's a hard one to pick apart. And it's the same with our, our corporations and being able to create limited liability extends our scope and to be able to take more risk. And I don't know if that's a solution and I know that that's getting a little complicated. I think back to the basics of um, your rights don't come from government. Your rights involve morality and your actions in the world and have to do with The consequences also, natural law has to do with the consequences of violating rights, of violating what's correct, and what will happen in, in a very scientific way when these things are violated, right? And we're dealing with that now, with this beast system, with this huge, massive, tyrannical government that we have been so off from understanding and living in rights in right in correctness, that now we're paying by being completely enslaved you know and our life energy is being sucked away from us in these ways we don't fully get to enjoy this place and get to enjoy this life because of the consequences of our behavior have been apathetic towards you know taking the correct action in the world we 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 like to pretend as if we can enforce the will of the government or the will of the majority on other people or, you know, what ends up being. And and it's not that that's just the simplified way of thinking about it, because really what you've got is a fascistic, a corporate fascist government who's become oligarchical with not elected representatives, you know, best interests being carried out, but a massive Uh, amount of corporations and individuals and families above the infrastructure of government or you know why I said corporate fascism because it's tied in now and now you have government and uh, health agencies mandating certain products let's say during the whole COVID-19 thing and still now that end up profiting you know making a lot of profit for certain people, and how great would that be to have your products entwined with like a a legal system framework where people are required to take your products and that that's sort of the wet dream of the you know really milking humanity for uh value and making profits off of our ignorance on this system right so that's one example, but I think when our rights are not properly understood. That's how we get into trouble, because people couldn't define a right in the way of it being an action that you take that's in alignment with reality, with the laws of nature, right? And that gets really confusing. Oh, is that natural law, uh, like uh, like John Smith's natural law? Like, what are we talking about? Like, uh, you know, common law? or And we'll have to get more into that. We'll have to go into... You know, because if you just look up the natural law definition under Wikipedia, I guarantee you that that's not the same thing that we're talking about, or at least not necessarily. So we'll have to get into that more in the future. But I had noted that down as something I wanted to get into based on the last few episodes and really, you know, thinking it's important for people to understand where rights actually come from, not, and they don't come from a piece of paper and they don't come from people in government that hand you down your rights as if they created them and are able to pass them down to you and then change them on the fly too and then write them in, oh, these are the rights that we've written down now and now we'll adjust it and now these are the rights, right? That's not how reality works. You don't get to dictate what's real and what's not. It's There's a truth to that and there's then what men can perceive and try to align our behavior with that truth, but we don't get to write it down and then assume because we've written it down that now it's right and there are many examples of this how you know like at, at one point slavery was legal right and it was actually illegal and i'm talking about you know during the time when um this country for example america was uh created there was slaves in place at that point there were actual chains and shackles and whips human-owned, you know, quote-unquote, you can't see me doing the quotes, by law, they were owned. But that's not that doesn't make it legitimate in reality that that was correct, that that was a right for those people to claim ownership over those other people. That was still wrong. And it didn't matter how many laws were in place that made it right, right? That's an obvious example. It's still incorrect behavior. Even if all the laws and everything that we've written down and agreed to you know, quote unquote again, agreed to. Uh, And when I say again, like we and they and us in this country, I'm not including myself into the federal government system or something like that. There's a place, a territory, a physical piece of land here that is occupied. And there are people on it who did attempt to say that these rights come from the creator, that these rights are granted through God and that they were not something that you can just make up and they weren't perfect. Like none of those people were perfect. None of the founding fathers quote unquote and all that mythology was perfect people. These are people exploring philosophy and attempting to, you know, put not, not like every one of them was attempting to do the right thing. Like I don't know all the motives and all the wills of all those people, but I think the, again, going back to the declaration of independence was probably the closest thing To what we need to to say that we declare our independence. The rights come from nature and God. There isn't a way for men to encroach upon these things. And all the government should do, if it's going to do anything, is protect these things, right? And protect this information as well. Like what this understanding that I'm trying to explain right now should be actually, you know, widely spread knowledge and information, not something that we say, well, yeah, but those guys were all racist and they didn't know anything. You know, I mean, it's partially true if they owned slaves and thought that was legitimate. And it was also, quote unquote, illegal, you know, to release the slaves in some some of those cases. So like in Virginia, or like Thomas Jefferson saying, look, why didn't he just release the slaves? Well, he probably would be penalized for doing that. And I'm not justifying the behavior at all. I think they just, you just release them. I mean, come on, man. You wouldn't hold slaves and people and think it's okay. And... Claim ownership over them in that way. At least, you know, it's easier to see now. But this is where we can get confused if we don't understand where the rights come from, and that all beings, all human beings, have these rights. Right. And so you don't get to go and violate someone's rights without a consequence to that. And that's, again, it's not like an anvil falls on somebody's head, but as a society collectively, as we continue continually go down a path of not being in alignment with the moral law of the universe, then we as a society in the aggregate then start to suffer the consequences of that. And it's not like one person goes and violates natural law and something happens to them immediately. It's more of an aggregate effect that happens over time. And this is observable and and highly scientific. It's not just something that people you know strategize or or conceive of and it doesn't actually happen in reality like this is measurable law that you can actually measure the consequence of the violation of let's say uh, the the money system and them endlessly printing money and claiming that we owe that money even though it never came from anything that sort of misaligned convection current that's not properly equated is going to have a problem and it's going to create a lot of chaos and pain and harm and suffering in the world versus, you know, trying to live in alignment with uh, how you can't create something from nothing and that it always needs to be backed by a certain amount of, um, you know, physical or uh, labor contract, then, you know, the, the right words aren't coming to my mind, but the point is, is that, you know, this fictitious system of just printing money endlessly And it could work to a certain extent to to get to the point we're at now where I'm not trying to say like there's going to be a major collapse and we're all screwed and everything's going to go down. But there are going to be some definitely financial strife and market uh, turbulence and some volatility coming up. And I think that's pretty much written on the wall at this point. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. And that's, you know, what the great reset really is, is allowing those systems that aren't sustainable to collapse away as they implement like the 2.0 you know high-tech technocracy slave system that the folks over at Davos and the Bilderberg uh, group that it's supposed to not exist but it does exist and now um, you can go and you know see where these people are meeting I saw Luke Radowski's coverage of the greater or sorry the the Bilderberger meeting in—I uh, think it was in Washington this year or in Virginia somewhere—and there was like nobody there, literally, like no people covering it at all. And, like I think in years past, there's been riots and uh, thousands of people, if not hundreds of people, you know, out uh, rioting in front of the Bilderberg group meetings because they knew. I think this year they were a lot more strategic. That those being the Bilderbergers, the you know, highly influential people in, in our government, in our media, and our, from around the world get together in secret, which used to be secret, until actually it was Alex Jones, basically, that brought this to light for most people, that this was happening. And people were, you know, that's a conspiracy, and it's crazy. And now, you know, it turns out that I think Klaus Schwab was uh, the head of that, or the chair of the Bilderberg for, for a lot of years, and now he's, you know basically leading the great reset he's like out in front telling you that you know how the world's going to be and that they're going to tra- use this opportunity to transform the society into the direction of how our molding hands will direct And he's like this like evil villain dude like perfect classical evil villain up there explaining to you like what they're going to do with the future and like you're not you'll own nothing and you'll be so happy So happy eating the bugs and with the chips in the brain and we can monitor the carbon energy output and turn off the switch if we don't like what you say. You know, this is uh, why the greater reset is important and uh, we'll be playing a clip today from the greater reset, which again we've been playing into the 24-7 live stream as well and uh, I'll look forward to this upcoming greater reset and you know, it was a really exciting event. I think I'd like to be involved somehow. I'd like to get in touch with Derek and and the guys behind uh, the organization teams maybe, and be able to help with the tech or be able to help with the speakers or just get involved somehow. So that's something I need to do is reach out on that. Or if, if, if any of you guys are listening, go ahead and reach out to me. But a couple things here to talk about next would be building community and what it's not, you know, and what it is and what it's not. Now, I did say that I was going to get into uh, how to create the digital mint article from the brain to finish up from last episode and talking about the CBDCs and Tim Pichot's talk and, you know, going more into Bitcoin and how, Governments, you know, couldn't have been behind it. There's a sort of internal argument inside our quote-unquote community that, you know, people who are more like Bitcoin advocates or maximalists just can't or don't want to see that or downplay it and almost like make fun of how other people see it that way. And I, I think that's just naive and silly and we shouldn't, you know, discount the fact that that might be the case. And that there might just be, like I said, the Trojan horse that kind of gets everybody using it and gets the communities like ours excited about it. And then uh, eventually they're like competing against each other with the CBDC and the Bitcoin and all oh, who's going to win. It's all like a false dialectic. Like they created both and then they sort of roping you into using these forms of currency, right? So I, I don't think there's a solution there necessarily to say that, or you know, not necessary to say that, What people should do is not just completely ignore the technology and the space itself and cryptocurrencies and even taking advantage of investing in Bitcoin, let's say. I think that looking at that and saying, oh, I'm not going to do that at all. I'm going to stay away from that because it might have been developed by certain government agencies. I mean, everything essentially, again, going back to like most computing, the Internet, the phones that you're using now, even like the the camera systems in those phones it's all militarized i mean it's all been developed by the military darpa uh you know other agencies that then trickle it down to us once they've got it completely like locked down understood how they can get into the back door understand how everything can be monitored and that's what the article i was going to you know get into more depth on here but i think i think we'll leave that for another episode where i'll tie that in, even maybe with like the Belt and Road Initiative and uh, talking about that. What I'll do is link to the article on how to make a mint, the cryptography of anonymous electric cash. And for now, I'll be linking to that in my brain, the web brain that goes over a June 1996 article talking about, you know, how to create a cryptocurrency and what the ins and outs of are having an open ledger versus a private ledger and how to confirm the payments and what to do with people that might be trying to hide information and then thus you know like 12 years later we get bitcoin which is actually in the open model not the private model and they've known like they people who research this type of stuff and the NSA and who sponsored this article or this research they have known about the issues of having a private blockchain for a long time or you know, things where people are able to conceal what they're doing, which is called privacy and should be something that you should be able to do with your finances versus like having an open ledger or something that can be inspected and verified by others and tying it back to IP addresses and who's spending the money. It, that's definitely a different model, right? And what did we end up getting As the biggest model being pushed out there, or the one that leads them all, Bitcoin, right? Which is an open ledger. So, you know, I I, you could say you all you're drawing very loose connections there. I I don't know. I think you should read this article or go through the research on it and see what you think. And so I'll link that in the show notes. Okay. So we pointed to it. We kind of did touch on it here, so that achieves that goal. Now, what next? What I wanted to get into was about community and what building community is not. There's a lot of this going on right now with people very excited in community and getting out and building a community somewhere, an intentional community, right? You even hear the guys in in the Greater Reset talking a lot about that, or in the Exit and Build Land Summit, and, you know, getting out and, you know, having people move on to a piece of land or something. I think this is what people envision, is people will move on to a big piece of land and, you know... Joe will start doing the cows and Sally will start weaving the sweaters and Jim is going to till the farm and John over there, he's going to be making honeybees and suddenly we'll have this system and it's all going to work just perfect. And like the statistics on this, not that I've gone and like studied every statistic, I think are very high rate, like 95% of this sort of idea fails and it's due to a lack of understanding, it's due to a lack of planning, a, l- a lack of real intention, and, you know, infighting, uh, conflict resolution problems that come up. And I think the idea was the sort of altruistic, or the, uh what's the word I'm looking for, the the fantasy of having this community. That wasn't the word I was looking for, there's a better one, but... uh the idea that this is how it's going to be in your head versus what it actually is in reality and how those types of things could fall apart. And, you know, without much observation whatsoever, when we moved out into a more rural area two years back and there's people in this area that definitely are we want to align with and want to be closer with and would like to have more community with. But what is community? Well, I don't think it's like that vision that I pointed out before where there's a big piece of land and everybody moves on it and they start digging out their toilets and you know we work out the septic system and like we build businesses together that could all be really great but i think you know family is the first community and you're if that's a single person household and you need to hold down uh your family and your um sorry there was some audio coming through and i was like what is that i had to mute something so uh that's where it starts right and then a household is a small economy a household is like a business and it operates with uh, inputs and outputs and the inputs need to be greater than the outputs you know and the people in that cell in that home need to all be you know working on themselves driving things forward getting along together and working on goals together that help this family this unit, this small cell, continue to thrive. And, you know, if there's children in that cell, children in that little, I don't know why I'm calling it a cell, children in this household, it obviously, there's different needs. And, you know, there's definitely a need for economic connections and things bringing in income. And then, uh, you know, lots of produce and groceries coming in. And those can come from the local community, but, I think that you build it in this way. It starts with the individual, then the family, then the wider community, but they don't need to be like directly living on top of each other after that, right? The community even doesn't necessarily need to fully philosophically agree on everything as long as it's more freedom oriented, right? And even then, as long as people are more, you know, self-sufficient, I guess is the better way to say it, or if they have produce and products and, you know, a skill to trade, let them, you know, continue to do that and thrive and serve the community that doesn't need to be everyone moving on to a certain piece of land, you know, to be together in that way. I'm not totally discounting that idea. And I think that probably can be done correctly and planned out and a beautiful thing. And I've not had a lot of experience with that. So I don't want to stick my nose in and be like, Oh, it's all crap even though there's probably really beautiful examples of how this could work in the way that people, I think, more traditionally think about when we talk about intentional community. Um, My intention in my community is for my neighbors to stay over there (laughs) and me and my family to be able to stay over here, but interact with them through the markets or through just even door-to-door, like going to each other's house and visiting or, you know, visiting at local public areas and getting to know people and trading with them, right, and being able to go into business or even, you know, to so help support their local businesses with our local business and things like that. And then hopefully, yeah, through our actions and through who we are as a person, we can spread more consciousness. We can spread more freedom. We can spread the ideas of living under natural law in a system where we respect each other's rights, not because the government wrote it down on paper, but because we understand that, right? And that we're not going to go to war and help fund this federal government system any longer and that we will be breaking away from those things and exiting that system and building a new one. Now, does my neighbor required to understand all that? No. And am I, is it my job to go and wake them up? You know, and make them see it the way that I see it. I don't think so either, and I don't think that that's what you should be trying to do in your with your local neighbors in your community. It's not that people shouldn't be woken up, but through your actions and through your behavior is how we can do that. And you know, you're listening to someone on a podcast who's telling you this. Well, he's putting this podcast out in an intention that hopefully it can reach a broader audience and help spread the message of freedom, but. I can't go wake someone up. They're going to have to find this information. And that's why I like to put it out passively. And I think that's how people should do things now is publish your content, publish your information online. Then you don't need to go force anyone to see it your way. You don't need to sit down in the family dinner and cause arguments with other people and have a problem uh, in that way, or, you know, always be that guy that's always bringing up the things, but you know live it like turn around and look at your own shit man and live and fix the things that you need to fix in your life to make it right for you you know and that's a long journey right there and most people haven't started that journey and if you are so quote-unquote woke up and you're awake now like it's more than likely that you've made a lot of mistakes since waking up as far as like trying to wake other people up and having big problems in your life with confronting people on certain things or getting out and protesting out in the street or something like that, or like running away and trying to start these intentional communities versus like just being like, Oh, okay. I see. I'm not in alignment myself. I'm supporting this ABCD system that doesn't serve my values anymore. Now that I understand, you know, true morality and my consciousness won't allow me to do this anymore you can go and fix your stuff and move away from that and if you think people should be building community start with that one unit make sure that household unit is strong and producing extra value to where the point where you're overwhelming with value and then can serve your community with that extra value and that might take one year for some people that could be a 20-year journey for somebody else And depending on the type of family that you already have and if you already have three children, for example, like myself, and then are trying to do these things as well, it takes more time and more thought and energy goes into how you plan the direction of that ship, right? You can't make immediate rash decisions. Decisions and just immediately jump into something because you thought about it and you heard about it on this podcast and you thought it was a good idea. So you moved out to Texas or whatever and you tried to find the guys that were doing the intentional community there and you show up and you don't have many skills and you're kind of broken. You don't have any money. And of course you want an intentional community, right? Because you want people to like take care of your ass or something like I think that's going back to the we needs. The we needs want the intentional community, right? Well, we need... We need, we need, we need to do this. We need to do that. And they want to, we need to have an intentional community, right? Because they haven't built enough of their own um, self-reliance and skills and backup systems and, uh, you know, creating systems in their own household that can then produce enough value to serve a community. And then they can have that and still, you know, some semblance of their own, you know, Uh, reliance on themselves and not having to rely on that community for yourself to thrive but then also you know helping that community thrive by I know it's it's somewhat paradoxical but I think people get intentional communities this picture in their head this idealistic um, intention or this idealistic pattern of or uh, thought of how it's going to look and it's you know I'm in a Mutual aid network, which I probably should do better at participating in. But at the same time, we're there for each other, but we're not. We're we're all across the United States, but we don't have to see each other every day. We're all across the western southwest, but we don't. We're not up each other's ass every day, and you know, making each other do things that we'd rather not do, or something, or having conflicts in the community. I I think there can be that kind of thing. But for example, there's Freedom Cells, which we've discussed on this before, but there's also Caledonia, which I haven't brought up that name before. And Caledonia is a group of people that I'm networked with. I'm in the tribe, so to say. I think so anyway. And the, it's a borderless tribe with a decentralized barter and trade network, arbitration system, urgent response team, and mutual aid society. Okay, and you can learn more about this in the show notes and also at com, And that is similar vein as Freedom Cells, but again, just because we are attempting to create and build and maintain a mutual aid network, it doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to, like, go live on the same piece of land or that we all have to, like, quit our jobs and run away from society. At least that's not how I understand it. I, I do think that if you're a major government supporter and you believe in, you know, violating others' rights through using the force of government to get it done, or you know, violating, um, you know, others other rights that we discussed earlier in this episode, and using the force of the state to get your way or some way or you know, that's what your main modus operandi is. other word, In other words, you're a statist. I don't think the group is for statists, okay? I think it's for people who are more anar- anarchistic, uh, libertarian. Uh, the word voluntarist comes to mind, even though I have major problems with that labeling. But I think people in this community, again, with the quotes in my hands, know what I'm talking about, okay? And a link to that in the show notes as well so you can learn more about caledonia and then we've talked about freedom cells many times and uh i'll link to that website again as well and you can check that out and if you check out the greater reset videos that i'll link to as well the greater reset integration was the last round in january greater reset three they will bring this up so if you also watch freedoms rising live or the greater reset for take back our tech the full day that i'll link or the whole greater reset integration videos you'll hear a lot more about you know these ideas and concepts that i've talked about in this episode but also freedom cells i thought it was a good opportunity to bring in caledonia um which you again you can read more about uh, there's a public facing telegram group that you don't necessarily need to be a part of the caledonia to start to mingle with the caledonians and then really to join caldonia there needs to be an in-person meeting several rounds of interviews and a process that is vetting that person out and then within that community like i said there's mutual aid and there's smaller groups of people working on different projects but then we have a network at least set up to where we know that we can reach out and you know work with the people who are more in alignment with our values versus like having to kind of roll the dice in your local community. If you want to start a business or you have some ideas, you want to run across some people or you need actual assistance with something or it's an emergency, you know, maybe your your community in your local area isn't the best for those things, but having something like a mutual aid network with people who are more philosophically aligned does make sense right so that's why i think that that does make sense but again it's not this like fairy tale like we live on the fountain that joe created is now this beautiful hot tub and the community comes together at night we all barbecue and the kids run around naked and play and there's fairies and doves and like yeah again if that's the goal of what you are trying to do with an intentional community that's great but i think it's just more in the region that you're at like most of it is like you yourself pointing at like whoever you are listening or me i'm pointing at me i need to get more involved with the skills that would actually contribute to a community like that like maybe it's like welding or like maybe i need to get a chop saw so we can do better when we build a barn later and then when i've done that a few times i understand how to build the barn and then you know we can help the neighbors build a barn when we have the spare time on a weekend and we have the chop saw and we've already done it before that can be done right but they're not like living on our land and right up our ass and we expect you know they expect all these things from us or something right um it started with me getting the chop saw learning how to use it and then now once I'm proficient and this, again I'm just giving an example of how a skill that you can bring to a place could help that place out. And if you don't have those things, then it's time to start building those entrepreneurial skills and that entrepreneurial mindset that sees a problem and doesn't go, oh, man, that's a big problem over there. Uh, I wonder if somebody will take care of that. But at least as an entrepreneur, you say, well, that could be solved by doing these things. It doesn't mean that you're going to go necessarily enact all that, but you at least look at things differently in that way. And and that comes down to everything in your own life as well. You'll begin to look at problems in your own life as like, well, we can do this to fix it and this and this versus like more of like an employee sort of like, you know, small thinking mindset is like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do if that happens. And oh, man, we're going to need the government to come fix it. And oh, we're going to have to have like the war over that or we're going to have to invade that country. And like it leads to this status mentality of someone else is going to have to come fix the problems for us. Right. And at least in the entrepreneurial mind, it doesn't mean like you go around fixing everything. It also doesn't mean that you start every business idea that you have, but your mind thinks in that way. You think about solutions versus problems that you can't overcome. It's always like, well, there's a solution if we do this. We can switch it around this way and resolve it. And then when problems come up in your own life and you have this mindset, instead of taking like a year to resolve some situation with your car or whatever it you just attack it and fix it right then and there because that's your livelihood. That's how how things happen for you. You're not going to put it off. You're not going to wait for somebody else to come fix it. You will take ownership of that and responsibility in your life and, and then starting to help the others in your life around you by example do the same thing, and especially your children, right? This is very important for our young children to be teaching this, to so that they have the opportunity to see the world through the lens of empowerment and responsibility versus victimhood and, you know, advocating your responsibility to a third party that's going to come take care of it for you. So maybe that's what the Greater Reset integration is all about. So fitting in that vein, I'm going to be playing a clip now from Ramiro Ramani. It's about 45 minutes, so it'll take this episode and extend it out. And it's his talk from The Greater Reset. And I like Ramiro. I like his approach. I like his website, Take Back Our Tech. And there's a blog there with uh, information about his above phone and just this idea of digital sovereignty and taking back control over our digital life, right? And not just laying down and letting every corporation and every government take all of our data and use it in a way that benefits them and doesn't benefit us right that's not necessarily what technology needs to be it can be that and we can just passively lay back and let that happen or we can use this double-edged sword as a tool in our freedom and in our lives with the understanding of our rights and implementing those in the tech so that there's a chance for the future generations to not just be completely digitally enslaved in the di- digital gulags, right? So it's called Program Your Destiny Tech Strategies for Parallel Systems from Ramiro Romani at the Greater Reset 3 Integration. Thank you guys for listening today to Freedom's Rising. Check me out at tylerbloyer.com or you can see this show on freedom'srising.live, the podcast feed there, and on the onegreatworknetwork.com and all the other wonderful content creators over there at the One Great Work Network. Thanks everyone for listening today. Enjoy this speech from Ramiro and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Let's get on to our next
1: in-person speaker. This person, Ramiro, has become a good friend of mine in the last year or so, two years going on. He's an instrumental part of the Freedom Cell Network of the Greater Reset event. We truly couldn't do this without him and his team. And he's helping so many people, as he has here at this event, switch their computers from Google, Apple, Microsoft, onto Linux, into open-source operating systems so they can close those doors and say goodbye to big tech forever.
0: And that is real change, my friends. So I hope you will give your full attention to Mr. Romero Romani. Thank you, brother.
1: Woo! We finally made it. Finally made it. All right. I just want to say that I am so thankful to be sharing space with you all, and I feel like we've all been working our butts off, flying over from all around the world to actually meet in person, and I know that Derek, myself, John, and all the volunteers who've made this possible have just been putting in the work. And I also see the people who are talking today, you know, there are so many technologies to pick from. I don't think it's possible for us to use everything. But what I do appreciate is that these people have the vision and that they are building because that's the most important, important part of this. So I've just been along for the ride and the journey and I've been helping out the Greater Reset and Freedom Flow Network. And I'm so excited to see where it's going to take us in the future. Along this way, I have been blessed to meet so many talented people and I realize that we do have the power to tell the story. We have a powerful, we have we have this creative expression that needs to be shown, that needs to go ahead head to head with the mainstream media because they are just pumping out garbage and they're pumping it over and over. So we need to speak even louder and show them what we can do. So I want to start my talk off with an animation. This story that we've been working on, I've been uh, writing personally and working along with some talented people across the world. It's called Reprogram Your Destiny, and it's about a robot story to disconnect from the network and find his own path of freedom. Let's play it. Us robots, we're comfortable in network city.
0: There's always work to do
1: the pay is good and the network even
0: gives us security updates could there be anything better?
1: what lengths must a hero go to find a new system, where power comes from within, where we take care of each other, a system worth fighting for, no matter the danger, no matter who you are up against. to everyone involved with this, Ame, Uli, and Creative Revolt, who have also been helping out with Take Back or Tech, who have also been helping out with The Greater Reset. Such, such talent, and I see it everywhere, and I'm so excited to be working on this with them. If you want to support this project, we we had an ambitious goal to finish the whole animation by The Greater Reset, but we were like, okay, let's do the trailer. That, that was actually the first time I saw the full picture, and um, yeah, really excited to put that out. If you wanna help support that, follow our email list at takebackourtech.org. We will help get funds so we can help pay this creative team on and on. Okay, so what I'm gonna talk about today is tech strategy for parallel systems. Let's get those slides. And I'm not here to sell anything today. I don't have a new project that I, I'm going to make the center or focus of, of this talk. But I just want to focus on simple things that we can all do today to actually build parallel systems with software that's out there and the computers that are sitting right next to us. Because I realized that after a long time that technology needs to be easy and what we're doing on it needs to work immediately. And it turns out that we already have all the skills uh, in our traditional education. They, they taught us how to do these simple things like make Excel sheets or write documentation. It just turns out we were never using them for the right purpose. So before I move on, I just want to do a quick visualization exercise. So please just close your eyes and join me for a second. I'm going to take a deep breath. I want you to picture... You living your life's purpose, whatever, wherever you are, I want you to observe where you are in the world, the people you're with, and what you're doing. And my hope is today that what we just visualized, we're going to use this technology to get you in that place with those people doing these things, okay? So that's the goal for today. Here are the current challenges that I see as we're trying to form these independent groups and do things our own way, off banks, um, off of big tech. The problem is, is we've got people, we love the message, we're actually really well educated. We're really well educated. I mean, thanks to events like the Greater Reset, we've broadened our understanding of what we need to survive. The bad part is, is that we have a lot of this knowledge, but we're just not applying it. And so what I would like to call and ask for from everyone is we need leaders with vision. And we need them to impart their vision on others and to convince them. Maybe not convince them, but maybe to build a shared belief system so that we can work on these projects. That kind of goes in the next point, underutilization of talent. Now, I didn't really understand this until yesterday. And I realized that I was trying to do a whole lot by myself at the T-Bot workshop. And uh, we were setting up, and it turns out I had forgotten to ask for projectors. So the, so the workshop is fucked, right? I was like, oh, God. And this, uh, this dude walked in, and um, he immediately just noticed that, and he started helping me with the projector. He brought the projector from out here, and I couldn't have done it without him. And it was just so amazing that to understand that sometimes all you need to do to make your vision happen is to ask, and if you have a vision that you want to make happen in your local city or your local hometown, whether you're starting a your garden, then just ask. You see these people, you see this talent around that isn't being utilized, then, and if you see that you can put two and two together and make it a win-win, make it sustainable for them, then do it. Figure out a way to make it work. Another thing that I see that is a little bit troubling to me is I think we're in our own little bubble. We're on Telegram, we we all know each other in the space, we all know everyone who talks at the greater reset, but what about outside of our little bubble? Are we thinking about how to get those people in our networks? Because I think what's gonna happen really soon is we're gonna have a bunch of competing projects all doing the same thing, and so there's gonna be a lot of supply but not enough new energy feeding into the system. So unfortunately, this censorship that we're facing, you can see that graphic, the hidden big, big brother's hand is blocking us from reaching those outside of the system. So I really think our importance should be, it sh- we should put an importance on also working within our systems, but just as much continuing to reach out, continuing, continuing to connect. Just a personal story, my mom's a doctor, And ever since I woke up to the stuff and started speaking on what I felt was right and wrong about what was going on with the world, there was a little bit of tension between us because I simply did not have the education, and according to her perspective, to really be able to say those things. And luckily, you know, instead of getting discouraged, I kept at it. And uh, I showed her the, the Dr. Malone video with Rogan this year. And then she started to ask questions too. And that made me really happy to see that, you know, we, sh- we need to stick with our families. We need to stick with our friends. We cannot give up on them. We need to get them into these systems. And it hasn't really hit the fan yet. It's going to get there. As long as we're planting these seeds in their head, we're continuing to reach out to them. We are going to be the people with answers. We are going to be the people with abundance, and they will join us. And that's going to be beautiful to be one of the first people, the leaders of this new movement. So I invite you to continue to do that. Be the leader, be the steward in your community. So we're activists, right? But we're not, we're not, we're spiritual. We like to have fun. Sometimes we don't wear shoes. But this is really hard work. This is really hard work. And uh, just by observing Derek and John and also living out this and anyone who's in this space and working outside of the system, you are going to work your ass off. Oh, man. It's like nothing else. But you tell you what? It's not work because it drives you. You love it. You think it. You go to sleep thinking about it. You wake up in the morning thinking about how you're going to make that project happen important part of making this work is organization and consistency. You need a shared concerted effort and you need tools to coordinate that. So, a lot of this conference is literally held together by Excel sheets, right? Not Microsoft Excel, let's just say spreadsheets and documents. That's how this whole conference was produced. And this is a pretty big deal. Now, why couldn't we do that same things with our communities? We already have the skills and I'm gonna show you today the technologies that you need to use. Lastly, and I feel strongly about this, is don't work for free. We need to start thinking about how we can provide for ourselves. If we're not having a salary, we're not used to that cushy salary, and we're thinking about sacrificing that, making that sacrifice, we need to understand how to pay ourselves. So you need to be thinking win-win. And this all ties into each other. How can we continue to provide for ourselves, whether that's having some sort of medium of exchange like dollars or crypto, or whether we're going to go <laughs> live on land together that someone owns and have a relationship with them where we provide and they provide for us. Okay, We need to start thinking like that. So our solutions need purpose. Why are we doing that? Why, what, how are you living your life's purpose? We did that visualization exercise You know what your life's purpose is. It's the first thing that came into your heart. So be able to express that. Think about how you want to see that. Think about where you are currently in reality and how you can get there. We talked about organization and collaboration. We're going to talk about reasonable security and what that really means. We need to be resourceful. We need to talk to people. We need to build connections. We need to be observant of what is around us. And we need sustainability. We need to pay ourselves. We need to peop- pay the people who work hard for us. And we need to have trust. We need to have a lot of trust because we're going to share a lot of sensitive materials with each other. We could jeopardize each other. So we need to spend the time to build those relationships and really put our life into each other's hands. That's the only way this is going to work. So, 2022. We have been educated. We didn't need no damn college. We just needed some activists spreading good messages. We needed to take self-research, read books on our own, and I think we're doing that. Now we need to apply it. We need to meet technology baselines. We're getting to the point here where they are going to start shutting down parts of the internet or controlling it tighter. So the more, the more independent we can get on infrastructure that we run ourselves, the better. And we're gonna talk about that today. Better organization. Break out onto other platforms. Just the way is we're not giving up on people in the, in the matrix. We're not going to give up on other platforms in the matrix. Like, for instance, if you still have a non-banned Facebook account, just use a, use a private message. Keep sending your message out there. Keep sending your thoughts and ideas out there. Don't give up on it. Fuck it. Use it for your own benefit. Take the parts of technology that we can for our own benefit and leave the parts we don't want. We're gonna to continue to share in the real world. It's so, so important that we share in the real world. Unfortunately, I see old people, young people, babies with masks on, and it makes me sick. It makes me sick, and I, more more attention needs to be given to that, and we need to, even if it's just an hour over a day, printing out some material and doing it from when we're traveling from place to place, we need to focus on the in-person connection and activism lastly Taking these digital connections and eventually bringing them into physical that is what the greater reset has done It's brought us here in person know that you can do this you already have the tools to do this Maybe not as at such grand of a scale But at least in your hometown at least in your community with your friends and family you have the power to bring people together and work on things digital into physical Okay, so My, I was a software engineer originally, and I got to see how things worked from the inside. And so I was aware of a lot of the nuances when it comes to privacy and security and who was really in control of the data and the energy. And as I started to go down the rabbit hole, I realized there was a point where it wasn't productive anymore. And as I kept finding new technologies, I I realized that some people weren't really focusing on the important things. So I tried to picture this with a tale of three users. The first person is a defenseless activist who is going and fighting the good fight, and they're actually doing really good work. They're doing in-person work. But they're too reliant on unfriendly technology, and when the clock strikes 12, they better hope they don't get shut out because if they're not meeting their their uh, their technology baseline, they will get shut out. We don't they don't want good people to succeed. So don't rely on their tools. The defenseless person, unfortunately, does not defend their technology, and thus can get taken advantage of. On the on the other end of the spectrum, I've been more recently acquainted with the ivory tower. Uh, security, paranoid, conscious person, thankfully from joining XMPP. And uh, it's kind of, that experience is fun because I am sharing, I'm joining this new platform, XMPP, and I'm sharing these ideas of agorism, Permaculture in the greater reset and that actually made made me the most hated man on XMPP which was really fun I had to develop thick skin and they called everything out. They were like, oh you guys are gathering all the hubs on the map No, thank you. Uh, I bet you're you know, what's your uh, your privacy policy? Where are your donations going to asking all these good questions coming from a healthy place of skepticism but at the same time Everyone on XMPP, they don't share their voice. Literally, it's discouraged to leave a voice message. They don't use real names. I'm the only person using a name on there. And so it, with the, the, the ivory tower person, they look down from their ivory tower and they're so protected and they're so secure. And they've, you know, they've, uh, they're flashed their, uh, they're flashed their firmware on their computer. They're using cubes OS, uh, virtual technologies. they Are on tour all the time? What the fuck are you protecting, really? What the hell are you even doing? Because sometimes you have to go out into the normal world to make a difference, and that's where you get balanced. That's where you have a reasonable uh, reasonable baseline of privacy and security, but you're still using your tools. You're still using your tools to reach people and make things happen in real life and reach tangible benefits. So that's T-Bot in the middle. T-Bot, the main character of Take Back or Tech. He is. He has a fallback plaque plan for his data, all of his important data, his documents, pictures. He keeps all of that backed up and off of the internet in case he ever needs access to it. He is not using cloud-based programs as much as possible. He has it all installed on his computer. We'll talk about a few programs like that today. So let's talk about the individual-friendly tech baseline. It's, it's 2022 and you are awake, my friend. If you haven't done this, please do this because it's the absolute minimum you can do to help yourself out and to stay connected with like-minded people. We did, some, did a workshop this, uh, the other day that helped people do this, but the main things you need to focus on is getting your computer onto Linux and also to de-Google your phone, because these are absolutely the biggest pipelines of information that are feeding into the control grid and telling them all about the intimate details of your life. I won't, I won't, I'm not going tr- here to scare you. I won't uh, rattle on about this, as we, many speakers have made the point. But we need to use as friendly software as we can, and we need to educate ourselves. So installing Linux is a really great first step, then using more private browsers or friendly browsers like on Googled Chromium and LibreWolf, both of which I've written about at TakeBackOurTech.org. We have an article called the Open Source Survival Toolkit, and that's a really great place to start. Moving off of these cloud solutions and on uh, programs that are local. So we're talking about backing up your data locally, channel your social media contacts, People on Twitter and Facebook, here's the next little step for them. Get them on the Telegram. If Telegram fails for us in the future, we're going to something else like XMPP or maybe even Quartal or, or even just in-person communications or email, right? So we're taking it into into channels that we have more control of and we aren't vulnerable on. Lastly, don't leak sensitive information on big tech platforms. If you're forming an intentional community, why the hell would you be posting about that on Facebook? You want to keep that, you know, you want to keep that secret. You have uh, these knowledge and skills, and you want to make that available to the people who uh, who are close to you, right? You don't want this going out to the world. You want to be able to uh, react and not leave anything out there. Use a VPN. I'll just leave that one there. We've, there's been several recommended. Molvad Volme- is a very good one. And then secure communication channels, which we're gonna talk about today, which are free and open for everyone, which if you have a phone on you today, we could spend five minutes and, and show you how to get onto XMPP as it's open, decentralized, and uh, available to the public, and you can run yourself. Private emails and video conferencing. So this is, I was talking about digital into physical these are the digital tools that will eventually convert us into having physical relationships so applied solutions to real world problems i'm going to breeze past this i just want to i just want to mention that what my goal is is To have a mix of solutions for the different types of people in our community. There are some people who are much more technically proficient. These are the people who should be setting up their own infrastructure. And on the other side, we have people that are more skilled in other things like gardening or energy healing or whatever it may be. But these people don't need to set up their own servers. They can use more friendly services. Or the best, they work together. The technologist, whoever you are out there in your community, you need to step up and find a way to make this sustainable for yourself and your community. Imagine coming together and getting a donation for an XMPP server and providing that service to your community and having everyone talk together on it. It's a beautiful thing. We have to work together there. So the solutions I'm going to share with you, I'm going to actually show you how uh, I've built simple solutions that go from low medium to high technology to a high technology level. Okay. This is real activism. This is really tech this is real tech activism out there. This is uh pretty hard to do. Okay, looks like the slide changed. We set up this T bot workshop. Thank you uh, to the greater reset Morelia and the, the volunteers for making this possible we had around 60 to 70 people RSVP, we had around 50 people sign up, and at the end of the day, we had around 20 people get their laptops installed on Linux. Can we give a round of applause to that? A really amazing group. It it warms my heart to see so much interest in in, uh, friendly technology and privacy, and it looks like the time is ready. And it was kind of interesting to see Even though I was not there to uh, sell the USBs or anything, that people were interested in in buying Linux disks, and we we sold out of those. And this is something that's really easy to do. So I'm just going to show you how I use simple tools to do this, create a a survey that people could use to respond, set up the workshop, and, and set this out. So, again, the leadership for this, it is easy to install Linux. Okay, Anyone, if you have installed Linux, you could teach someone else. And that is the way that this has to propagate. It is just like a seed dropping an acorn on the ground and planting more seeds. It is the energy of knowledge and life and continuing itself. So, maybe you take the torch now, and you can do your own take back or tech community event like this. So the way you can make it sustainable for yourself is you can have a donation or anti-price. I know for a fact there's going to be another uh, workshop. If you didn't get Linux on your computer, there's gonna be a gentleman, uh, Sylvan who's gonna be in there at 4 p.m. doing another workshop, so you can do that. So let me just show you what this entry form looks like. Good stuff. This is CripPad. This is the first tool I want to show you. We had a gentleman in the audience using CripPad. It's a great tool. And check out all the information you can get with it. So you can get people's names, emails. You can ask them detailed information. Think about how you can use this for other purposes. If you have an intentional community and you're screening out people's interests, responses, and skills, think about how you can use this simple form to have an exchange of energy with your community and take that information in. So there's this part form, and there's other tools for forms too. We have FrameAdate, which is this organization called Framasoft that's uh, from France. And uh, they're working on an amazing suite of tools. But this is—I like—I'm sharing these because they're really easy to use. You could go to the site right now and use it yourself and create a poll. That's why I'm sharing these because they're really easy to use. And uh, you can also use Frame a Date to schedule meetings. So it's very, very useful if you're distributed. You want to meet with people in different time zones, etc. And then there's also shared services. Like Crippad Drive, which I know they do give you some free storage. So I'm just gonna give you a little peek at what's going on here. Uh so I have a take back or tech event. I also have a homeschooling folder where if I was to start a homeschooling pod, I would keep all my documents in there. And uh Crippad allows you to create, you know, create uh text documents and uh spreadsheets, and that's all you really need to outline good content and information. There's also NextCloud, which if you're feeling a little bit more savvy, this would be medium tech. You could try on NextCloud, and NextCloud gives you an Office suite. I guess it would be the most similar to Google Drive, except you actually are in control of your information, and Google isn't uh, using machine learning to read all your documents, which is crazy to me. But you can try NextCloud at any time, and it's a really good first step if you want some more organization and consistency in whatever project you're doing. So check that out. Uh, And then, if you think about it, if you come together for one of these events, and you all pitch in $5, you have your server costs for a year. I'll just drop that there. That's how easy it is to make a win-win situation. So let's talk about homeschooling. This is about parents and children learning digitally and in person. Remember, digital into physical. Obviously, not all of the content is going to be online, but you know, in a realistic scenario, you might have 10 or 20 families spread across the city. You won't meet in class every day, but you can meet online. And the really cool part about this to me is that the parents can be more involved as facilitators and teach each, uh, teach each other and the children and actually be able to impart their wisdom and work on that together. Sustainability, tuition costs. Fuck it. Just make your own school. All right. That's how we gotta do this. And you can do it easily. You can do it easily. I'll show you. Here's here's a calendar I made in Crippad in five minutes, just, just to show you. All right, what we got going on? Um, it's it's tomorrow. Wait, I got the days messed up. That was yesterday. But we did yoga and stretching in the morning. Let's click in this. Oh, nice. They're using uh they're using. Above privacy suite to actually hold. (laughs) So they're meeting on Jitsi, right? Which is an alternative to Zoom. And above agency, we run our own Jitsi server, but you are free to run Jitsi yourself. Or you can use the public instance, and you can see that we're joining on right here. We can have a video conference with anyone. We can get the link and we can invite anyone. They can join from their phone or their computer. It really couldn't be easier. It really couldn't be easier to take back your tech and respect your own privacy. What up? Okay. Next, we have an introduction to botany. Again, you see how easy this is. Create the calendar event, make the link to your video conference, just like that. Um, and then later on, we have Trivium and Grammar after a quick break for lunch. That seems like a good day of school to me. Saturday, we actually have our in person connection, and we're going to take a field trip to a local farm. You put that address in there, and then everyone involved in your school, you can just share the calendar with them right here, right? You share this private link with them. The link is the encryption key, so only the people who have the link have access to the calendar. This is where those side channels or the alternative channels you use to communicate with the people that are important to you become important. That's why I promote technologies like XMPP which are easy to get into and offer end to end encryption by default. Right? But that's later on down the line. Okay. So, oh,
0: there we go. (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right, next, local markets in Agora. This is something we ha- absolutely have to do if we want to have income in this new world that we're creating together and collaboratively. Um, so we just, you know, we want to know where we need to go to for a mechanic or if we need help moving things or whoever has a truck. It's, it's literally a simple spreadsheet with people's information on it. And all it needs is a community organizer. And then here's a cool idea I had. What if there was an escrow manager? And an escrow manager would be for like big purchases. It would be like someone you trusted in the community and it'd be like, okay, I, I really want someone to work on uh, my backyard garden and set up fencing for it. It's like a $3,000 project. And the community manager could actually hold the escrow while we waited for the service to be retrieved. And then the escrow manager could also get a percentage for that and help manage and facilitate and bring more people in to this simple spreadsheet that has so much power. Let's take a look at what the spreadsheet might look like in the real world. This is a test demo of the Above Privacy Suites encrypted file storage that I'm going to share with you. Obviously, some stuff going on here. Oh, man, people messaging me. All right, so check this out. Look how easy this is. This is not, this is not work. This is absolutely not work. So we've got four businesses here, Health Kombucha Brews. We've got a website developer. We've got their contact info. Look at the diversity of contact info. We've got an email the above uh, privacy suite email, we've got an XMPP account, we've got a phone number, we've got a normal email, we've got their preferred payment, we've even got crypto addresses for whatever crypto you and your community decide to use or how maybe you'll use gold and silver. And then you've also got the products that they are currently selling. So imagine that this, uh, this software specifically and also CryptPad, they're collaborative editors, right? So you can invite people in to edit them and what I would suggest is you just keep a hard copy you keep updates so no one goes in and like, deletes everything. Obviously, you trust the people. <laughs> they wouldn't do that to you. But in case they did, you know, uh, keep a backup there. Um, but it's really easy for people to go in and add their own thing. And it's, it's really fun to look through, right? Next time anyone asks a question, I'm looking for someone who grows okra. Boom, send them this. That's right. Okra is delicious. All right. Um, The other way we can communicate is through XMPP. I have this uh, great article on TakeBackOurTech.org called uh, "XMPP Comeback" or "XMPP: The Comeback Story," Um, and I was uh, very humbled to have it hit the front page of the tech tech uh, internet or publication Hacker News, and. Basically, this is revitalizing this 20-year-old technology and it's come to the point where it's free and available for everyone and you can have voice calls and you can have video calls and you can have end-to-end encrypted messages. Uh, Really easy to set up and it's open and decentralized to the point where anyone can set up their own server. So I'm hoping that we use these Office Suites, which you realize there wasn't really that much personal information in there, right? We use that as a channel to get into more uh, close, um, intimate communication channels like XMPP, eventually meeting up to do cash meetups or cryptocurrency or even barter. This is how to exist outside the system. You have to be very methodical and strategic, but this is the safest way to do it because I want to see success for your business and I don't want you to take on any heat and enough people start doing this, there's nothing they can do to stop us. Who who gives a shit if they crack the encryption? You know, they're gonna crack the encryption and see that we're selling eggs to each other? It doesn't matter. We just just need to do it, okay? Woo! Thank you. Love you guys. All right, so here's a cool concept that uh, James Corbett uh, mentioned a few months back called Rico Rings, which instead of going into a physical location and, and meeting in person with the farmers and actually doing the exchange there, Rico Rings work by making the orders beforehand And then one person is in charge of paying and going to go pick that up. So in a freedom sale, I could see this working really, really well, as in uh, uh, someone goes out to local farmers and gets an idea of the produce that they're selling and then makes that available to their freedom sale community and a weekly bulk pickup. Think how much more efficient that is for both the farmers and the producers. It's really easy for you. You just put your order in and you pay one person. The person that is managing it all, of course, takes a percentage of fees for their own sales. It's sustainable for everyone involved. This is literally how we create parallel systems. So let's check out what a, uh, what a setup would look like. Let's see how hard this would be. Boop, boop. Give it a sec here.
0: There we go. All
1: right. So you see here, we've got some initials up here. These are the the co op members. You don't have to do it like this. This is probably a complex way to do it, a little bit of Excel magic. Um, that probably still doesn't work either, but it's just going to show you how simple the concept is. You've got name, you've got initials for the people in your Freedom Cell here, right? Or nicknames or whatever. And then you have uh, their total cost, which is a sum of all the products they're buying. This week we've got sauerkraut, organic berries, free-range grass-fed eggs. That doesn't make any sense. Grass-fed eggs? Eggs don't eat in a big organic produce box. And so every week you would go in and you would put in the quantity for the things you want to buy and you would get a total up at the top. This would take maybe around like you could do it simpler than this. This could take 15 minutes to put together in the spreadsheet. And what is the effect? Well, the effect is that people have a direct connection to their farmers. They know how much to pay. You, we, uh, this total cost would be paid to the organizer of the RICO ring, right? So they would pay him, uh, him or her directly and they would go pick it up. That transaction could be taken care of w- which, whichever way you want. They would go pick the groceries up and they would either go deliver it to the house. I think that would be pretty cool if your friend delivered groceries to your door. Definitely, I would pay an extra fee for that. And um, this is exactly how you would implement something. And it's easy to do. We could spend, it wouldn't take too much energy to do something like this, okay? So that again is the intention for this, to show you low-tech ways to make real-world change. All right. We're getting to Freedom Cell Digital Infrastructure. What actually does a freedom cell need to operate effectively? You know, there's so many different areas we need to be good on. Uh, Not just the gardening, but the defense, um, and the health and the, um, and the education. So many different aspects that need to be coordinated. And so for this, we need an organizer, someone to lead the Freedom Cell, working alongside technologists. The technologists work to bring in new Freedom Cells member, teach them, write, actually write educational content to show them how to use the software. And the organizer actually invites them in and, um, you know, tells them all the programs they've got going on. And this digital infrastructure will only work if it's donation based. So, you know, if you wanna to contribute to your local freedom cell network, work, find the technologist, be the one with the vision. This is what I was talking about. Be the leader who knows who the technologist is and just simply ask, hey man, can you set up a next cloud server for us? Or, you know, hello there, uh, I'm I mean I'm interested in XMPP. How hard is that? Just Simply ask and see how much money that would take. and uh, And it would come out to a few dollars per person and you can get this thing Hosted uh, for an entire year, right? Baby steps towards freedom here. And so, I have a few ideas for what your local freedom seller project should have, as just as a baseline to be in control of their own content and communication. They should absolutely have a website. Use WordPress for that, right? That's simple. You can go even simpler than that, but you know, you can do a lot of things with WordPress. Your office suite, you can use Nextcloud or CryptPad which is excellent. I just showed you how easy that is to set up. It takes five minutes. Your communication, which allows you to have end-to-end encrypted messaging across your phone and your laptop. All of that synced together. Having voice and video calls with each other individually and then Jitsi video conferencing for you all. You have pretty much every modality you need from person to person or person to group. A mailing list is also important. You can just simply send out emails to, and to your entire list of people, or you can use a, a mailing tool. When I talked about video conferencing, that is the absolute baseline you need to have the communication. As I get to know Derek and John more and more and understand what this idea is and what it takes, the most important part is communication, okay? So that's all these tools. That's what they help you do. All right. I'm just going to talk about what I'm going to work on this year. So this is our roadmap for Take Back Our Tech, which of course is our educational initiative, takebackourtech.org. Please join our email list if you're out there watching. This is uh, my full-time <laughs> job and uh, I would say that we have a lot of important stuff on the roadmap, but this year I want to take a focus on teaching people server administration. So this goes out to those technically proficient or technically inclined people out there that want to run software for their own local community. So hopefully this content will be good for you. So in quarter one of this year, we're going to teach you how to pick a friendly server host, and I'm going to point out some good companies, uh, basic server administrations, and then also I'm really excited to be able to test out BChat network. I'm hoping to get to that in, here in just after the event and show you what a mesh network looks like with post-quantum encryption. Quarter two, we're actually going to be talking about the apps we can run on these new that, uh, service servers that we've got. And uh, Setting up your own website, we'll do some WordPress basics, your own email server, and your own XMPP server. And then quarter three and the rest of the year, why don't you tell me? Why don't you use the contact us form? I know there's a lot more than just this that we're going to do this year, but let me know what you want to hear about. and I'll, I'd love to write about it. If you are a technologist and you want to get involved and you want to help write, please reach out to us in exactly the same way, we'd love to have you. And our company, Above Agency, which sponsored this event, the creative team uh, that helps with the greater reset and freedom cells, we are also working on big things. So I w- le- love to offer all this fr- open source software for you to free and I also would love to host it for your behalf as someone you can trust and this is what the new services we're going to have available for you this year. So you can go to abovephone.com/suite or abovephone.com to see all about the current services we have now, which are VPN, email, jitsi, xmpp and your own private search engine. Next year we're going to do even more. Uh, Derek has been highlighting how important it is to get connected with different languages. Okay, I got you on software for that. We're going to use Libre Translate and allow you to translate your text into 20 different languages. How how awesome will that be? We're going to continue to improve our search engine. Thank you. We're going to continue improving the knowledge base of the above phone and give you more resources there. Quarter two, we've heard uh, we've had a great success with the above phone and our customers have been just saying, please, get, uh, you know, let us know what else we can get with the phone. We want more EMF mitigation strategies, so the next thing we're going to do is offer an Ethernet adapter that you can get with the phone, so now you don't even need to connect with Wi-Fi. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, we're also going to have an EMF sleeve on the phones as well as cases and screen protectors. Quarter three, we're finally gonna take it up and uh, offer you encrypted file storage. We could even run CryptPad, we're still evaluating what tool is the best and easiest to use and giving you an office suite that you can run if you don't wanna run yours yourself. And of course, we're gonna expand our VPN coverage to the Eastern Hemisphere, because right now we're only in the United States. Quarter four, I don't know, you guys can tell me if you're interested in this, but should we make an above laptop? All right let's do it. We're going we're gonna to put our heads together and give you something that is worth going out of your way to purchase. Um, I just want to say that a long time ago, I had the vision of, of having a tech organization and using it to promote the ideas of freedom. And now less than a few years later, my dream has come true. And it's my honor and pleasure to serve you. Thank you.